Hello there. Thanks for joining us on the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is where pastors and members of Christ Covenant can process the sermon, ask questions, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you do have a question you would like to have dialogued, please use our text to pastor line at 404-465-1737. And if you'd like to find more resources, visit ChristCovenant.com resources. We hope you enjoy the discussion. So I'm joined today by Jordan Coughlin and Graham Thompson for the sermon talk back. I did not preach the sermon yesterday, but I'm standing in for Jason Dees. I did listen to the sermon twice though, so I feel somewhat qualified mm. uh, to be a part it. of this podcast. But before the sermon happened yesterday on Saturday, Auburn, man, they barely wow. They barely what squeaked were they it doing? out. I mean, Do I'll you, tell you what they did. They got lucky. They that, benefited from some referees. A bad call. That is so, pretty. I mean, you can't just throw the ball behind the you. It was the wrong call. Yeah. yeah. You know, Fiji, they were they were elated. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, my, to, to all of Jason's Fiji people out there, I know you were elated. All you people at Auburn. Okay. So, I, I feel like we had to get an Auburn reference in. We had to get a Fiji reference in. Can I throw and a now Texas we can, A&M? No. Now okay. we can move on. Right, well, now we can move on to the uh, crushed Florida. But now we can, now okay. we can look at the the, the sermon Bible. Mm. um well guys thanks for seriously thanks for joining and um would love to hear some of your impressions from the sermon yesterday obviously the sermon was talking about the temple and i love this idea that was a big impression that i got was you know we talked about um who the temple is which is a big point what the temple is now and i was reflecting as i was listening to the sermon about um the temple throughout the bible mm-hmm. and there's this idea that even in the garden of eden uh there are image bearers like other temples you know you create things that look like your the god even in like you know other religions temples but you know god makes man and woman in his image and then he tells them to work and keep the garden and this is actually an interesting thing because later on when there's um instruction to the levites to the people who are taking care of the temple uh similar language is used mm-hmm. by the same author to talk about what they're supposed to do is to work and keep the temple so there's you got you got the garden of eden they're walking with god and all of a sudden they sin they're separated well, God continues to pursue them. He was once so close to them, and then he continues to pursue them through the tabernacle and then the temple. He's now closer, and then it's destroyed. Mm-hmm. And, and then Christ comes. And, I mean, that's so... You'd think, like, that's as close as you can get is, like, having someone stand next to you. Mm. Um, and and then he's then crucified. And then what happens next? He's resurrected, and now the Spirit can now indwell within us. So anyway, I guess the, the temple is such a beautiful picture throughout the Bible because mm-hmm. of God's love, grace, and faithfulness throughout time in pursuing proximity with his people. Mm. That's I love, right. I love this point about uh, it, it is the place where heaven and earth meet. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then tracing that out, you know, God with Adam and Eve in the garden, the temple having the most holy place mm-hmm. where That's the right. presence of God dwells, Jesus coming to this world, you know, a, as God's God's heaven heaven gift sent down, and then now, in mm-hmm. the Spirit of God living in us, it's such a powerful powerful point. Yeah, it really is. And you know, I think just to double down on this a little bit, I think just as Bible students, you know, and disciples of like you know people of Christ who who 
sit down to read God's word, I think this paradigm of the temple is very important because you are meant to be with God, mm-hmm. right? We were meant to be in communion and fellowship with God. And so it's right that the Bible starts there. It's right that it ends there actually uh, as well. But to Grant's point earlier, G.K. Bill, a uh, Old Testament scholar, he points out several ways that um, the temple and the garden are synonymous, right? The first is what you've just mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. That it's the place where God and man dwell together. The second is what Graham mentioned earlier. Adam was placed in the garden to cultivate and to keep it. And these are exact same words used um, else, or translated mm-hmm. elsewhere as guard or serve, right? And so uh, two functions of people of, of the Levites in uh, the temple. Third, the tree of life served as a model for the lampstand mm-hmm. in the temple. Mm-hmm. Fourth, Israel's later temple was made with wood carvings of flowers, palm trees, all meant to recall Eden's brilliance. Mm. Fifth, the entrance of the temple was to the east, and on the mountain, face, on a mountain facing Zion, just as um, the end time temple was prophesied uh, in Ezekiel. Same is true for uh, the entrance to the garden; it was to the east. Sixth, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the ark of the covenant were both accessed or touched only in pain or death. Mm-hmm. Seventh, just as a river flowed out of Eden, so a river is supposed to flow out of the end time temple. Mm. Um, eighth, um, he goes on to say that um, the holy mountain of God, um, which everywhere else in the Old Testament is the temple or tabernacle language. And so you see that in Ezekiel 28, uh, talking about uh, Eden. In fact, it re- Ezekiel refers to Eden as the holy mountain of God. Um, and so there's so yeah. many like intentional paradigms that um, the temple kind of points back to yeah. and points forward um, for us uh, from this passage. And so it, it is a really neat thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's important to see that um, in the scripture primarily, again, because we were meant to be in community and fellowship with God. Yeah, so. that's good. Yeah, another impression I had was uh, when Jason talked about what does Jesus do to the temple? And, and the reality that he, he, he does destroy things in our sinful hearts in order to, you know, bring us to this place of, of justification through, through his grace and through his blood. And, you know, I, would, I hopefully like many other people were just convicted when, when he was asking the question, what, what does Jesus need to destroy in my life today? You know, what, what is, what is there in my life? Um, that that I need to to put to death, and you know, I think that was a that was a helpful point. But then also, just he talked about the self forgetfulness of of having a zeal for for the Father, you know, for Jesus, and you know he he brought in that illustration of you know having a zeal to protect his his you know daughter. Um, I just think that's a really helpful uh, point to consider for Christians, right? Because we we were constantly dealing with mixed motives mm-hmm. and and so you know even when i'm mm-hmm. seeking to honor the lord by you know leading people into worship through song or when i'm preaching or when i'm reading the bible or when i'm praying the reality if you know i know my heart enough to know those are not completely holy moments mm-hmm. you know and and so it's how do i how do I have, you know, completely pure motives in yeah. what I'm doing? And, and it's so helpful to, to kind of reframe it, recast it as have a zeal for the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's someone other than me 
that I'm seeking to draw attention to. And, and so I'm just a conduit to that. And, and that's what we see with Jesus, right? In this passage is the zeal for his father mm-hmm. motivated him to action. And, and it, you know, whether he was considering himself or not, the reality was he was, he was so zealous for God's, you know, God, the father to be glorified mm-hmm. within the temple right. that he's, he's overturning tables right. and he's driving people out. So practically, what does that look like for us, Jordan? Like, you know, I mean, obviously it, it could be very easy for us in our sinfulness to say, well, that was, that was Jesus. He was the son of God. Right. Like, um, but I think, let's talk about that. Like to help, yeah. help people understand. I think like, first of all, one of the things that comes to mind is understanding ultimate things is like where this starts, right? What, what is ultimate today? Uh, and what is ultimate about you? And what is ultimate about God? And I feel like in our lives, we, we give ourselves so often to the things that are not like ultimate and lasting or, um, and so that, that would be the one thing, obviously like Jesus, he knew with, um, not that he wasn't, uh, tempted by Satan. Right. But he, he was able to persevere to, to always pursue God's glory in spite of his circumstances, because he knew that was ultimately what life was all about. Mm-hmm. But we, well, we get confused and distracted quite easily. Well, yeah. how else, how else can we do this? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I think that <clears throat> I agree with you. It starts with our identity in, in, you know, who, who we, who God has actually made us to be right. Our, because of the spirit now indwelt in us, uh, God gives us both the desire and the, and, and the ability to, to seek to honor the Lord, you know? And so where before we turned inward in our selfishness, wanting to honor ourselves, wanting to be like God, uh, now God is transforming us, you know, into, uh, living for others, living, living for the Lord. Um, I, you know, very practically, I mentioned this as a teaching meeting, uh, last week, Jason didn't put in the message. I don't know why. I mean, I'm, I'm mm. still trying to, I'm still trying to get into the message you know, at some point. You Jeremy know, name keeps drop. getting in the message. I know Jeremy's, he makes good points. Jeremy makes incredibly profound points. He did come up with that illustration that was like helpful, but also at the same time, kind of like awkward, the whole like running out of the shower thing. (laughs) Um, And so if you're out there listening and you've got better analogies that are less awkward, that are also clear, (laughs) come to the teaching meeting. We need them. Uh, So my point that didn't, didn't make its way into the message uh, was, you know, a helpful um, uh, practice that I have in just evaluating is, can I receive encouragement or not? Um, because, you know, for me, when someone encourages me about something that I've done, um, if I'm inwardly desiring that they, they praise me, mm-hmm. um, and yet I know enough as a Christian to not, you know, be like, oh yes, finally someone you know, is praising You're me. Right. Yeah, no, I, I inwardly, you know, I outwardly feign humility, but in my heart, I'm you know, like, oh, well, if they mm-hmm. only knew what I really did, like, did they see all these other right. things, yeah. you know, that they haven't mentioned? Um, 
that's like that's a little insight into my heart you know mm-hmm. of of w- what i'm doing this for I, am i doing this in order to receive the praise of of people um and so you know I, in the rare moments where i feel like i'm doing it right there's such a desire that the lord receive glory and such a uh, wonder that god would use me despite mm-hmm you know, mm-hmm. the, the mixed motives that I have, mm-hmm. like, it's actually very easy to receive encouragement because it's, I'm, I'm so aware that, wow, this is incredible. This is, this is amazing grace that God would use a sinful person like me in order to encourage this person mm-hmm. or, you know, in order that they receive greater faith or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, that's just a real practical thing for me that I, that's like a, I can, I can test myself, you mm-hmm. know, j- just when, when people are, you know, encouraging me or not. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, that is a really great point. I mean, I think about, so those, that's a, a way to test your heart, uh, to see what, what are you most zealous for yourself or for God? I think some ways that the Lord has gifted us and his church to maybe move towards what Jordan is, is talking about is, is just the means of grace um, surrounding yourself with. I, I think about when Tara and I were dating and, uh, you know, if, I, if there was something that I've been like so zealous for on earth, you know, it, it would be my wife, right? And, uh, you know, what did I want to do when we first were like getting like, was first spending time together. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to hear from her. I wanted to talk to her. I wanted to spend time with her. I wanted to even like meet her friends and her family. And um, I, I think that's like a, a like earthly way of kind of seeing, okay, there humans can be zealous for things. And there is a, a greater, uh, th- greater things to be zealous for and that being the glory of God. And, and so I guess it, to compare those things, some of the means of grace are to be able to with indwelt by the spirit, have the ability to speak to God, um, to have the gift of scripture, to hear from God, um, to have the church, to be surrounded with a, a people and a culture of, of, of a gospel culture, uh, which would be like spending time with, you know, mm-hmm. your loved one, uh, meeting her family and her friends is, is being a part of that church. And so I, I think it's certainly possible and not unrealistic to, you know, move towards those ends. But, you know, um, the more you, time you yeah. c- communicate and spend time, I think the more you know about someone and especially someone like God who will never let you down, the, the, you know, it is only yeah. going to be you keeping yourself from someone so great. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. And if you're a person that kind of views church as like, something extra that you do yeah. um, that you might do a couple of times a month. The reality is you're probably not going to be as zealous for God all throughout your life because you are confronted with false realities all the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's good for us to be together. That's why we always say it. it's good for us to be together every week. Um, it's good for us to be in community group every week. Another means of grace. It's good for us to do personal devotion Um because again, we, we have to be reminded of ultimate things and by God's grace, he, he speaks to us through his word and, uh, we need to be under that often. Yeah. So many of these like life coaching diagrams have like, 
you know, health and family and then like religion or what, and it's all kind of like, yeah, that's right. It's, it's on the same playing field. And I, and I think if we read the Bible and we see what Jesus says, he says, you know, your family, like forget about them, mm-hmm. you know, your, whatever it is, your money, you know, forget about it. Mm-hmm. Focus on it's, if you were to retool in a whole like life, you know, coaching diagram, it would be, it, it, God would be in the center of it all and would influence everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's a better way of thinking about it. Yeah. Just to put a period on the, the whole topic of zeal for the Lord, I think John the Baptist gives us a wonderful example of that. Uh, you know, in chapter three of John, you know, he, he, he is responding, you know, to these people coming to mm-hmm. him. And he says, I am not the Christ, but I've been sent before him. The one who has the bride is, is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands in here and rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. That's good. And what a wonderful uh, thing to aspire to. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I need to decrease so that God, so mm-hmm. that Jesus might be increased in our lives. Self-forgetfulness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. One of the impressions I had yesterday was um, from greed. You know, Jason talked about greed. Obviously, the people in the temple who were, you know, taking advantage of people's guilt or, you know, for whatever motivation they had for coming in to participate in the sacrificial system, people were taking advantage of it for monetary gain. And, And so I just was thinking a little bit about greed there and the foundations of greed. And I think there's like three things that... Um, that you have to get right or else you will suffer from greed. Okay. And the first is this, it's seeing God as the giver of good gifts. Like the things that you have in life are from God. Mm -hmm. And if you ever forget that you will begin down this journey of greed, which says I have obtained this or I deserve this or that. So like we've got to have a right view of God in order to fight greed Second of all, you've have you've got to have a right view of self. You have to understand that you uh, are a steward and not an owner. Like that, and I think the scripture makes that clear. God is a giver of good gifts, and He's blessed us with those good gifts to be faithful stewards. And then finally, you've got to have a right view of possession. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, these are not yours; they're God's. Right? That you that. God, in spite of the fact that you are stewarding it, he is still owner of these things. And so I think there's three things that, that I know, like me in my life, I struggle with these things. Um, and so, you know, there's just hopefully some encouragement to people out there. You got to have a right view of who God is as a giver of good gifts. You've got to rightly understand that possessions are actually, or, or that you are uh, just a steward and not an owner. And then finally, like possessions are not yours. They're actually God's. Um, and, and you're to faithfully steward them. Yeah, that's good. The, I, I love the end of first Timothy, first Timothy six, where it gives the charge to, to the rich mm-hmm. in this age. And he says, you know, don't put your hope in riches and be rich in giving to others. I feel like it's, it's, it's such a helpful, positive formation of, okay, yeah, and it goes along with you know, all the points you're making, right? Like that God gives these gifts. These gifts are, you know, 
I'm supposed to steward these gifts mm-hmm. and I'm not supposed to put my hope in these things. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, you know, greed is one of those things. I think Jason mentioned, like we don't talk about a lot. Right. You know, it's one of those Jerry Bridges says, uh, respectable sins, you know, right. it's yeah, these yeah. things right. that, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like, you know, I, I want to make money. That's not a bad thing. And yeah, I, I continue to be challenged in my own life of, particularly that do I put my hope in it mm-hmm. you know does does my does my joy tend to rise or fall depending right. on how much I have in investments or how much I have in my bank account mm-hmm. or how little I have That's or right. how much I want to have and mm-hmm. yeah it's just a, it's a good again it's a good test for my heart and and to recognize that greed is a serious thing mm-hmm. you know it, it it is a it is a sin that needs to be repented of. yeah and I think what you said is actually a good like thing to press in here um does your joy increase yeah greatly when the stock market's doing well does your joy and hope decrease when the stock market is doing poorly um i think it's just a good test of of where you know maybe we're putting our hope at times and i know like if you ask me i'm with you jordan guilty as charged um but um Christ has a better way. You yeah. know, he offers a better way for us. Um, and in fact, the riches that he provides us are all we needed all along. Right. Anyways. It's not, yeah, it's not asceticism. You know, the, right. the yeah. converse right. is not this joyless life. It's in, it's, it's a greater, more sure hope and joy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that God is the, the giver of gifts and we're supposed to find enjoyment of them all the while recognizing that, that God is the source. You know, it's like if my if my kids at Christmas place more hope in the gifts that they give, they get instead of recognizing that, oh, my gosh, I have a father and mother who love to be generous to me. Mm-hmm. Like what a difference that makes, you know, in, in my life. I'm not dependent on whether I get this specific thing or whether I get this specific house or whether I get this yeah. specific you know amount of money in my investments. Uh, no, you know the source of all good things. He's given you eternal life. This is what God, you know, Jesus says mm-hmm. over and over again in the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Recognize that you are the son or the da- and daughter of a God who is good. Mm-hmm. His right. character is good. If he can give you eternal life, mm-hmm. you can trust him for everything. Right. Yeah. And, and so that's just a more sure hope. Even as I work to steward resources, mm-hmm. even as I work hard to provide for my family or, or to, you know, steward things well so that I can be generous to other people. That's right. That's good. I think like a, a look at the world, like in Christianity throughout the world, um, whether that's Christians in third world countries, et cetera, like they're, yeah. um, oftentimes some of the most joyful Christians are the ones who just realize, um, that God provides for my daily bread. And that's what I need for today. But we live in a Babel. We live in a Babel environment over here, right? Yeah. Where we right. have, I mean, where humans are very smart. Um, they're adaptable. They're, they're innovative. They create, you know, we work within this capitalistic society, which like can lead to explosive economic growth. I mean, like, so we, we have a, a great temptation towards this. And so it's good to think on it. Well, and I appreciated it. Jason bringing up the reality that this happens in the church too. And that, that's what we see in this passage, right? That's right. That it yeah. was within the temple that people were recognizing, oh, we can make some money here and, mm-hmm. and using that. And the same thing happens, you know, in, 
in this day and age. Mm-hmm. It, you know, there's there's opportunity everywhere. Yeah, it's good. What it's, else, guys? That's true. Well, another theme that came up was like in the section of what Christ has done, or excuse me, what what we have done to the temple actually, um, and um, and a part of that I guess is like this self-justification aspect of things. I know we're looking, talking about greed and some of these things seem to overlap a bit, but he talked about the blue aspect of everything we do. And, uh, and this idea, even as Christians, how we can almost like revert to works based whatever. And I mean, mm-hmm. that's really where we're at before you're saved. I mean, it's really like, it might not be like labeled as a religion, but like the American dream is totally a religion in the sense that you are working to be saved through prosperity and through, um, you know, all the things that our culture kind of allures us into. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of self-justification is interesting though, because it is applicable to Christians, but there, there's this part about it where it, it pulls you in emotionally and um, as you try to, whatever you're trying to self-justificate yourself, or whatever you're trying to justify yourself with, let's say like, I spend a lot of time now with students, right? Well, their thing is like friends and approval. Honestly, I don't think that's just a student thing. I think that kind of transcends generations a bit there. Um, but whether, whether it's amount of wealth, you know, size of house, all those kind of things. And the interesting thing is like, you really can never get to the end of it. And you'd even like listen to, there's this famous Tom Brady interview where of course he has like, you know, all the cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you would think, and a lot of us work towards being the Tom Brady of whatever we're, whatever industry we're in. And what basically he says is like, he's still trying to figure it out. And, and the, what, how that impacts us emotionally is we become, if we can't, you know, let's just say if it's, it's morals and it's like, you know, this kind of religion thing, trying to do good things, which is kind of common in Atlanta, you, you, you kind of feel guilty when you can't totally fulfill those mm-hmm. kind of works that you've set yourself up for, which of course you can't fulfill those things. It creates this insecurity because you never really know what is, what am I trying to achieve? What is the end to my achievements? Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- those are some, the other way is like, it makes you boastful in the sense of like, well, I got to, uh, convince myself and convince others that I actually am doing a great job at this. So I'm just going to be the loudest in the room and tell them, Hey, this, this religion, this American dream, whatever it is that I'm, I'm working towards, I'm doing a great job. We're desiring people to say that you're doing a good job. And, uh, and ultimately what we know is like, there's no end to it. Um, but that's where Christ justification really matters. Self justification, no end. Christ justification is, is, satisfies it all mm-hmm. uh, because it frees you then to uh to, to live free from all of these all these things anxieties anxieties yeah. right yeah, yeah. No, that's really good graham mm-hmm. um guys any, any other thoughts from the sermon or things we I, missed i don't know if we missed it but i i appreciated jason's last point being about how the, the temple is now, you know, by God's spirit dwelling within us, it's, it's us. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, it's such a, um, it is a helpful motivation to desire to glorify and honor the Lord, you know, through, through our bodies and through, through what we do and mm-hmm. what, we, what we think, but then also what a amazing point to ponder. 
mm-hmm. spirit of God where heaven and earth meet in, in this amazing way is now in us. And as we gather together as, mm-hmm. you know, the temple of God and, um, yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a helpful motivation as we go about, you know, the seemingly mundane tasks of life. That's right. That's good. Well, Jason, if you're listening, you did a great job, man. We appreciate your weekend and week out of serving our church through preaching. And um, we're very blessed to have you do that uh, each week. And so, guys, it's been fun. Thanks so much for Jordan Coughlin and Graham Thompson. I'm Blake Rogers. Thanks for listening.